Good morning, faithful listener. You are listening to the Bible Explained podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and stay tuned as we read through the book of Numbers. Howdy and good morning, faithful listener. This is Jen with the Bible Explained podcast. Thanks for tuning in this morning. And you know what? I have a funny story. I was recently listening to some of my old podcast episodes back when it was the P40 Ministries podcast, which fun fact was only like two months ago. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, these were like episodes I was listening to probably from like two years ago now because um, the podcast is going on its second birthday, by the way, pretty soon here in like a couple weeks. But because I'm doing the YouTube channel, I have to listen to some of the old episodes and oh, <laughs> they're so gross. And like, here's the thing. It's not that what I'm teaching is gross. Don't get me wrong. I'm teaching the Bible. And I think that that stuff is pretty solid. But just my voice. Like, what was I thinking with the way I was podcasting? I don't even get it. I was so sultry and quiet. And hello, everybody. It's Jen here. Oh, (laughs) so if you're going back and listening to the old episodes, just ignore me. I don't know. I mean, don't ignore the Bible. Obviously, listen to the Bible, but ignore just how bad I was doing at podcasting back in those days. (laughs) I know a lot of people, they um, they actually redo their old episodes like a lot of podcasts will do that. And I've made a commitment to myself that I'm not actually going to do that. I am not going to redo any of the old episodes because it was still teaching God's word. It was still good content. And God grew me through the process. You can hear the podcast growing in sound quality and whatever else through the years. So I'm not going to change any of that because that was the process that brought this podcast to become the Bible Explained podcast and to have 100,000 listeners. This podcast just hit 100,000 downloads on Friday. So woo, that is awesome. And I am so proud of you guys because... You all are listening to scripture. If you've been with me from the beginning, you have fully listened to and understood, hopefully, four books of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Genesis, Exodus, actually Leviticus. So five books of the Bible. And we are working on our sixth and seventh book of the Bible. That is a huge accomplishment that you guys are in the process of listening to and understanding and reading seven books of the Bible. And very difficult books, I should mention, because Leviticus is considered one of the most difficult books of the Bible to read and to understand. And you guys have listened to it and stuck through it. And that is awesome. So I'm so proud of you guys. But some really great news, actually, is the fact that I am able to upload to YouTube now because my internet is kind of fixed. (laughs) It's fixed-ish. I don't think it'll ever be very good just because I live like literally out in the middle of nowhere, but it's good enough that I can get stuff uploaded and at least I can browse the internet. So yeah, the YouTube channel, I'm back to uploading some stuff because as of Tuesday, my internet is pretty decent again. But let's go ahead and talk about Numbers chapter 15 today. We're in a new chapter of Numbers, verses 1 through 21 And I love this chapter. I think this is so cool. And I'll explain why in a minute. But let's go ahead and read that. I'll be reading out the W.E.B. this morning. 
Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and tell them, When you have come into the land of your habitations, which I give to you, and will make an offering by fire to Yahweh, a burnt offering or a sacrifice to accomplish a vow, or as a free will offering, or in your set feasts, to make a pleasant aroma to Yahweh, of the herd or of the flock, then he who offers his offering shall offer to Yahweh a meal offering of one-tenth of an ephah of fine flour mixed with one-fourth of a hin of oil. You shall prepare the wine for the drink offering, one-fourth of a hin, with the burnt offering or for the sacrifice for each lamb. For a ram, you shall prepare for a meal offering two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with a third part of a hin of oil. And for the drink offering, you shall offer the third part of a hin of wine of a pleasant aroma to Yahweh. When you prepare a bull for a burnt offering or for a sacrifice to accomplish a vow or for a peace offering to Yahweh, then he shall offer with the bull a meal offering of three tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with a half a hin of oil. And you shall offer for the drink offering half a hin of wine for an offering made by fire of a pleasant aroma to Yahweh. Thus it shall be done for each bull, for each ram, for each of the male lambs, and for the young goats. According to the number that you shall prepare, so you shall do to everyone according to their number. All who are native-born shall do these things in this way, in offering an offering made by fire of a pleasant aroma to Yahweh. If a stranger lives a foreigner with you, or whoever may be among you throughout your generations, and will offer an offering made by fire of a pleasant aroma to Yahweh, as you do, so he shall do. For the assembly, there shall be one statute for you and for the stranger who lives as a foreigner, a statute forever throughout your generations. As you are, so the foreigner shall be before Yahweh. One law and one ordinance shall be for you and for the stranger who lives as a foreigner with you. Yahweh spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and tell them when you come into the land where I bring you. Then it shall be that when you eat the bread of the land, you shall offer up a wave offering to Yahweh. Of the first of your dough, you shall offer up a cake for a wave offering, as the wave offering of the threshing floor, so you shall heave it. Of the first of your dough, you shall give to Yahweh a wave offering throughout your generations. So I told you guys that I really liked this chapter, and you're probably wondering why. <laughs> why do you like this chapter, Jen, when it's just talking about offerings again? And I'll be honest with you guys, I, th I thought the same thing. If you are thinking that, I turned to Numbers 15 and I was just like, oh boy, more offerings. Oh, here we go again. And I thought we were finished with these in Leviticus. But obviously, this is in here for a reason. And this is so spectacular. Because what did we just learn about in Numbers chapter 14? The people were at like the lowest point ever because they had rebelled against God. God was getting pretty close to destroying the entire nation of Israel minus Moses because of their total rebellion against him. But of course, God relented and in his mercy did not do it. And so the people now are punished, though. They have to wait 40 years to go into the promised land because they rejected God's promise. They rejected the promised land 100%. They were just like, nope, we're not doing it. We are scared to go in there. Screw you, God. We're going back to Egypt. That's basically what they did. But yet God was so merciful. And you can see his mercy and his love for his people right here in Numbers chapter 15. Because he's reminding his people of the promise that he still has for them. Even though they have to wait 40 years to go into the promised land. And only their children really are going to be able to go in. Minus a few adults that uh, that trusted in God. Even though that happened, 
God is still reminding his people, I have a promise for you. I, I promised it, so it's going to happen. And that is what Numbers chapter 15 is about. His people being in complete rebellion, still not repenting. Repent means to fully turn away, not just to say they're sorry, but to fully turn away from what they had been doing and go on to a new path. That's literally what uh, repent means. Even though they didn't repent, God is still showing them mercy. And he says, I'm still bringing you into the promised land. And so when I do, here's some more rules. So he gives them some more rules. And these rules are an, um, are adding on to the sacrifices. And these aren't the sin sacrifices, I don't think. I think this is talking specifically about sacrifices that the people could bring as a free will offering. And free will offerings mean that it is not required of them. It is just if they want to bring a gift to God. So when they bring these uh, these free will offerings, so for example, God lists them all out, a burnt offering, a sacrifice to accomplish a vow, or as a free will offering. Those are the four different offerings that God is talking about here. So when these people bring one of these four types of offerings to God, they are also so supposed to bring a grain offering and a drink offering with them. And I believe this is the first time that this rule is mentioned in scripture. So, and this is after they go into the promised land, by the way, this is not during the wilderness. It says, when you come into the land of the habitations, which I give to you. So in other words, the promised land, when they go in there, that is when this takes place. So the people will have to bring a drink offering and a grain offering on top of their free will offering. And it was supposed to be, for example, a ram, if they bring a ram as a free will offering, they shall prepare a meal offering, two tenths of an ephah. If you guys remember what an ephah is, it is approximately 22 liters or about two thirds of a bushel. So they're supposed to bring a two thirds of a bushel of fine flour mixed with a hin of oil. A hin is about uh, one and a half gallons of oil. So this flour would be mixed up with this delicious oil and brought on top of the free will offering. And then same with the offering, the, the different kinds of offerings, the bull, the ram, the, the male lambs, the young goats, whatever, you're supposed to bring a drink offering and the meal offering. Now the drink offering was a third part of a hen. So whatever 1.5 is divided by a third <laughs> or three, I, I don't know. I'm terrible at math, you guys do the math for that one. But that's what they are also supposed to bring with the meal offering and with the free will offering. So why did God ask for more offerings? This was my question. I'm just like, you know, they're already bringing a free will offering. So what's the point of asking for this drink offering and meal offering on top of it? Well, firstly, I think that God was doing this to curb people who were just doing things to check off a box with God. <laughs> and we still do that to this day, going to church, checking off our box with God. That's what I used to do. I used to go to church and just be like, okay, God did my good deed for the week and I'm done now. I used to do that. I'm not even joking. So I think this rule was put into place to curb some of those people who are just bringing a free will offering to check off a box for God. Like, look, God, I brought you this bull and uh, this is my good deed for, you know, the, the month or whatever, the year. So that's it. So God was requiring extra to make sure that these people truly wanted to bring a free will offering. And that's my personal opinion. Now, secondly, 
I believe that this was also a sign of thanksgiving. Whenever we see people bringing grain offerings or drink offerings in scripture, it is associated with thanksgiving almost every single time. I think actually every time that I've, I've noticed so far. It is a sign of thanksgiving. So the people weren't supposed to just bring their bull or their ram or whatever and not be thankful for everything God had done for them. They were supposed to have a thankful and glad heart. We see in the Old Testament scripture that God almost always uses physical things to get into contact with his people. You know, people are supposed to do things to understand God's goodness. People are supposed to do things to understand the inside heart. Now, of course, that didn't end up happening because in the New Testament, when we move on uh, to Jesus coming down to earth, we see that the Pharisees didn't understand anything about their hearts and were only doing the law to get on God's good side, but they didn't understand the heart of the law. So that's why Jesus came down to earth and paid the price for everybody. But that's kind of a different topic. But my point is, people were supposed to bring this grain offering to express thanksgiving to God. And thanksgiving and a glad heart just go hand in hand. That's why we always see these like journals, <laughs> these like gratitude journals where it's just like, all right, write something down every single night for five minutes about what you're grateful for. And this will make you a happier person. I hate gratitude journals. I think they do absolutely nothing personally. And that being said, if, if you do a gra gratitude journal and it works for you, great. I would love to hear if it does. In my limited knowledge of gratitude journals, they've never worked for me or anybody else that I know. But they say that thanksgiving or gratitude goes hand in hand with a happy heart. But the problem is you can't just feel superficially thankful for something. You truly have to feel thankful in order to have a happy and content heart. So that's why I don't think gratitude journals work. <laughs> but anyway, my point is thanksgiving and happiness just go hand in hand. It just does. We know that the more thankful a person is, the happier they are going to be. And if you know people who are very thankful, you will understand what I mean by that. Somebody that I know who's very thankful, his name is JJ, and he goes to my church, and he plays piano, and he's always so content. He's just a really cool person. I really look up to him with his attitude and everything, but he is one of the most thankful people I have ever met. And he, I think he's 77, he told me recently. And he's just like, I have a good life. Like, I'm still here. I'm healthy. You know, I play piano and I'm just happy. Like, he's just such a happy guy. I understand that thankfulness and happiness just go hand in hand. To emphasize this point a little further, let's just say that you're at church and you want to give some money in the offering. Depending on how your heart is, are you giving that offering with a thankful heart? Are you saying, God, thank you so much for all the money that you've blessed me with. Here is this offering and I'm going to give it to you with a thankful heart. Or are you just putting it in the bucket because it says in the Bible that you're supposed to tithe? <laughs> or are you doing it because you think that God's going to bless you with more stuff, like in a, in a prideful kind of way? And I'll be honest, I'm, I'm kind of guilty of that on occasion. But 
how you give that offering is very, very important. It says somewhere in the Bible that you're supposed to serve God with a glad heart and with a thankful heart. There's so many verses about thankfulness and gladness and everything. So we are supposed to serve God with a thankful and with a glad heart. So if these Israelite people are just bringing their bowl to God and being like, here you go, God, here's my offering. Bless me. They're not doing it with the right heart. And so God is making the point that he wants his people to bring this bull with a thankful heart. So I believe that is why God requires the grain offering and the wine offering with the free will offering to show the people that they need to express thankfulness. And they would have understood that. They would have understood that grain and wine offerings are talking about thankfulness. So they need to have a thankful heart when they're bringing their bull. This was a reminder to the people, a physical reminder that they could see, smell, and touch that they were supposed to be thankful to God for everything. And this included anybody who lived in Israel, whether they were native born or if they were a foreigner. That's what it says here. They were supposed to have one law for everybody. So if a foreigner lived there in the land, the foreigner wasn't allowed to make the rules. And this is kind of clear. Verses 13 through 16, that foreigner had to adjust to God's law. They were living in the land, so they weren't supposed to be worshiping their own gods, following their own laws, doing all that stuff. God made it very clear that it was one law for everybody. And the foreigner was absolutely invited in because God's law was the best. So why would this foreigner come in with a law that doesn't work, that isn't good for the people? And God is like, okay, yeah, you can go ahead and do that law that causes issues. <laughs> God wouldn't do that. He says, the foreigner has to obey my law as well, because God's law is the best law for everybody. The Bible is a guidebook for people's lives. The Bible is the best way that you can possibly live because it was written by God's spirit. It was inspired fully by God. So if God created us and he knows how we work, clearly he's going to know the best possible way for us to live. That is what the Bible is. So he is saying here in verses 13 through 16, that the foreigner, even though they may have their own laws and their own gods and whatever else, they aren't supposed to be following those things. If they live within the community of Israel, they need to follow my law because that is what's going to save them. And lastly here, God talks about the wave offering in verses 17 through 21. Basically the same thing as everything else. When they start making their dough at the beginning of the year, they're supposed to give a little bit of that dough to God as a wave offering, waving it up to God and giving it to the priest. And the priest was able to keep that dough and give it to their families as well. So not only was this a tithe to God, this was also helping to support the priests as well. But anyway, friends and faithful listeners, really, I think much of this chapter is just talking about serving God with a thankful heart towards him. So let's think about that throughout the week. How can we serve God with a thankful heart? And really, this is great because this is Monday, so we can think about this all week long. <laughs> it doesn't just stop on Sundays, serving God. It's all through the week. So how can we serve God this week with a thankful heart? 
Well, guys, thanks so much for tuning into this episode and for uh, just, you know, hanging out, sharing a cup of coffee with me. I'm really enjoying going through numbers. And I'm going to be honest with you guys, I was really dreading numbers. I'm loving it. It's such a fun book to talk about. It's so fun. So I hope you guys are enjoying it as well. So contact me at p40ministries.com slash contact and tell me how you're enjoying the book of numbers. But friends, I'll see you bright and early tomorrow morning for an episode out of Luke. Happy listening and God bless. Ooh.